Let's pray together. Your word tells us, uh, you sent an angel to Joseph, said you will call the child Emmanuel, which means God with us. That God has, you have come to us in Jesus, but uh, it is important, and I pray we remember you didn't just come to, to live and, uh, and walk and relate, uh, you came to give Everything You step down from, uh, from the glory of heaven to this earth, to your creation, and you died for us. To defeat sin, to defeat Satan, to defeat death, and uh, yet all three of those attack us. Sin that's still present in our life, Satan that's constantly hitting us, death which we fear. And your word, not my opinion, not anybody else's opinion, your word we believe it says those are defeated even those even though they can be very present they are defeated foes pray we know that this Christmas I pray Christmas is a celebration for these families Uh, I pray depression would not creep in when there is sadness and that is a a reality around this time of year Uh, I pray anxiety uh, would not creep in uh, as brothers and sisters and loved ones worry about the next year I, I pray that hurt would not creep in And this would be a true time of celebration uh, and not the, um, not just the the surface level uh, parties and decoration, which we love and I love for sure, but that the real true joy of you, Jesus, would just impart and impact our hearts, our lives, our church, and, and this community where we are. Thank you, Jesus, that that is very possible. We love you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you all. Have a seat, please. Thank you to our worship team. If you have a Bible, you could turn to Luke chapter 1. We're going to be going through a familiar familiar story of Mary and the angel. If you don't have a Bible, there should be some in the back. Uh, I want to do a couple things first, though, as we uh, prepare to look into God's Word. First off, two things I want to share with you. For you to know that that are important. Uh, The first one is, you've heard me talk about it. You've heard uh, us uh, as elders talk about it. Uh, We've had some meetings about it. But um, as of this week, uh, so our church is officially uh, entered into as a member of this network we call Acts 29. And so we are a member of that network. Uh, that, uh, That is something to be thankful for. Even if you don't know a lot about Acts 29, it is a network. This is not a denomination or anything. It's a church planning global network uh, that connects us with resources uh, and teaching and ministries, uh, both here locally, statewide, and around the world. Now, if you'd like to know more, I would love to talk to you about it. And so, therefore, this Wednesday night at 6 o'clock in the church White House, uh, I'll be available, whether it's 1 or 10 or 100, and... If that's the case, that is, that'd be great. And I'd love to visit with you about Acts 29 more. We're also going to have some of these um, times to visit forums Q&A in January. But with Christmas coming up, we wanted to get one in. So I want you to know that this Wednesday at 6 o'clock. Okay, thank you. We turn that off? Just joking. I'm just joking. I was just calling you. I was like, oh, it's Ted. I can say something about him. I don't usually do that with everybody, okay, just so you know. 
We're like, oh my God, what is, okay, it's just Ted. So anyway, is this still on? Okay. I'm just joking, man. Just lighten up, you know, man. Anyway, yeah. I mean, I like to lighten things up, you know I mean? It's like, man, thank you. So I look for opportunities like that. Anyway, no, that's, if, if a random phone goes off, I will just deny it, you know, pretend I don't hear it. Anyway, so don't feel bad. Okay, Acts 29, that is very important. I'd love for you to know more. I really would. Uh, the more information, the better, and see how that fits into our church's life. Uh, something that uh, is just as, if not more important, is a letter I wanted to read uh, to us as a church family. Uh, it was initially addressed to me and my wife, but it's so alluded to y'all, I was like, i got to read this on Sunday morning. So this is from a very sweet lady named Diane DeHart, who's been with us for several years, and she has just moved to Oklahoma City. Unfortunately for us, uh, I guess fortunately for her in terms of the opportunity, but she has been a part of this church, and she wanted to write a letter. So here she says, uh, endless thanks. Endless thanks. This really sums up how I feel about both of you and the body of Bellwether Church. I came looking for a new church. What I found was much more. I found transparency, acceptance beyond anything I expected, a church who welcomes everyone, no matter how, quote, colorful your past was. I have seen so much goodness from people, and I've heard others share stories of their past that have allowed me to let go of the guilt of my own. If you find yourselves in the Oklahoma City area, this would be for any of y'all, please give me a call. I would love uh, to see any and all of you. Our life here is merely a journey to a much greater reward. Thank you for being part of my journey, Diane DeHart. I wanted to share that with y'all. It was a testimony, that is a testimony, of what we want to be about here. Uh, we love colors here. Uh, I love art. So I love colorful folks, and we like to share those colors, and we definitely, 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 can I uh, emphasize that anymore, uh, accept people where they are. However, we never want people to stay where they are. We want them to take steps towards our Savior, Jesus Christ. Okay. Now then, after that, two stories of two things that impacted me this week. And I'll be quick, but uh, usually things like impact me, kind of church-related, people, y'all, um, you know, things going on in y'all's life, plans, all that. These are two outside uh, Bellwether Church in culture, per se. So first, broad, general culture. I saw a tweet. Uh, I like to tweet, tweet more than Facebook. I saw a tweet, and it was a retweet, uh, and just so you know what I'm reading the, or who I follow, it was by Sally Lloyd-Jones, and she wrote uh, a book I highly recommend for kids and for you big boys and girls called The Jesus Storybook Bible, okay? It is great. Uh, we use it for our kids. I use it for myself. It's got pictures, lots of artwork, easy read, okay? But she retweeted something, and the, the title was, They All Knew About It. Uh, you know, this is, I think she used the word disgusting, and what she was meaning was there was this roast, okay? Y'all know what a roast is, where you stand up and you give, you make fun, you know, to people you love. There was this roast for, and I'm not going to name his name, but it was one of these big shot uh, media guys whom I have admired through my life, let me add that, uh, who has recently fallen because of uh, issues of, of things in both their personal and professional life, and 
you know, we got the list is growing. You know, the list continues to grow. And so this roast was for this guy, and like all these famous people were there, and all these famous people spoke, and like a lot of these people that I admired through life, because I, you know, one of my pieces of sin is sometimes I will admire people who uh, get a degree of fame. Uh, and so all the big media culture and actors were there and some, uh, some big shot, like high up politicians. I won't name their names too. But you'd recognize all these names, okay? And the stories in the roast were, they, disgusting would be a pretty apt word. And I was like, man, I mean, these are people that I've watched and I've admired and I've even like thought about modeling my life after and like all this stuff is, they all, they all do know. There's this world that it's like, it's just, it's just, it's, it's sin. It's like the big time explicit sin, not just there's sin in our hearts and every, you know, Jeremiah, the heart is wicked above all things. But I was like, man, I mean, it's just, this world is just crazy because I say that, not just me and I, I've, I don't admire, I actually don't really admire them anymore, and not just in the last couple of weeks, but I mean in years, because I've grown and God's done a work in me. But I know y'all, these are people we watch on TV, these are people who impact culture and the world. And just the degree of explicit, open, laughable to them depravity is, is shocking. So if you want to read it, just go tweet Sally Lloyd-Jones. She retweeted it. The second thing... And this is more uh, regional to, like, our culture. I, I listen to sports talk radio. Amen? Anybody with me on that? Anybody? Nobody here? Yeah, just a few. So I listen, and I get all my stuff usually in the morning, dropping kids off school. So I listen to the sports talk radio show. And talking about a particular school, we won't name names here either, particular school who particular athletes are potentially leaving that school to play elsewhere. No names, okay? And... This, and then particular families who were publicly saying, you know, my son should leave because this particular school lied to me about particular allegations that were put forward. And I am, if you know me, a fan of particular schools. Again, remain nameless. And so, nothing about schools here. I, I'm talking about the talk radio show. Talk radio guy said... You know, I think students, athletes should, should leave if they choose. But come on. These are, this is his direct words. He said, come on. I mean, just because they think somebody lied to them, I mean, that shouldn't be a reason for them to leave. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. It's like, I just, I'm kind of tired. I'm just on my second cup of coffee. Did I just hear that right? Did y'all just hear me? But I mean, that, y'all may not have heard me right. He said, just because they think somebody lied to them should not be a reason that they should leave. And I was like, wait. He's like, because, I mean, come on. This is a direct quote. Come on. This is SEC football. Happens to be SEC, obviously. I mean, everybody's just telling half-truths to get recruits. I mean, I'm like, man, am I just nuts here? I mean, I mean I'm just driving. I mean, that is, it's just, you know, everybody is a popular broadcast. I'm like, he's cool, you know. They, you know, I'm like, good grief. I mean, like, that combined, those two things, like, this week. So, broader culture, like, I mean, I'm just like, Man, our world is just jacked up. This is, I mean, just the things we celebrate. Okay, enough of that. Um, but it does play into what I want to say today. So how do, so I was like struggling with that. How, how do we, so take those as examples, and those are just examples, but all of y'all could have examples of other stuff where you'd say, man, just the world is just nuts, okay? 
And that can be personally, that can be, uh, you know, in a marriage, in a family, with a son, with a daughter, or just what you see. So how do we have, like, joy in the midst of that? How do we, how do we walk in, like, real, true joy in this world? If you were uh, listening to the molders, and I know you were, they talked about joy. 1 Peter 1.8, let's put that up on screen. I love this verse, going to come back to it. Though you have not seen him, that would be Jesus, you love him. Though not seeing him now, you believe in him, and you rejoice with inexpressible and glorious joy. I'm going to come back to that towards the end. But that was Peter, the disciple, after Jesus had rose again, talking to people that he had never met, or writing to people, and who had never seen Jesus. So kind of like us. Peter hadn't seen us, met us, obviously. And we hadn't seen Jesus in the flesh, okay, obviously. But he says, you rejoice with an inexpressible joy. We live in a culture of express yourself. And here's, this joy is like, man, it's just, and I hope maybe you felt this, and I hope it hasn't been like uh, fool's gold, the joy of creation, but really like the joy of Christ. Like, I just can't, just, I just can't, can't articulate. I just, I'm just joyful. That's what he's talking about here. So how do we have that and like grasp it and hold it and carry it and walk with it? Because the world needs to see people with that, okay? So I want to talk to you about three quick things today. I want to talk about what it is, that joy, and we will see it in the life of Mary. That's why we're looking at Luke 1. I want to talk about why we do not have that, that joy, or at least give two reasons why we don't, and where it is, where to find it. So first... What that is, and you, you know, there are different ways you could define it, describe it, but the Bible is about real people uh, who encounter, at least the New Testament, the real Jesus, and were impacted, and some change, and some of their hearts hard, and were not changed, but here we're looking at Mary, Mary the mother of Jesus, and, and I'm going to read, and before you say, oh, good grief, uh, verse 26 through 56, but not all at once, Okay? A long passage, but I'm going to break it down into three parts. What this joy is, we see in the life of Mary. And I I would assert that you could see submission in Mary's life here. You could see what I'm calling solidarity. And I'll get into that. And you could see satisfaction. And those three things can lead to to real, true joy. Last thing I say is, uh, man, I get joyful at Christmas because of, use myself, what I call the fool's gold. You ever heard of fool's gold? It's like, you know, it's shiny and bright, and you think, but it's not real. Because of the trappings. I mean, man, this looks awesome. Love this. And trees and lights and, man, snow. I mean, it's like perfect, you know? And then it's 70 tomorrow. So anyway, but, you know, wonderful Mississippi Christmas. But, you know, just love that. And, man, you know, Christmas movies and just all of it. But if we really get down to it, that is good. Those are created things, and it's like fool's gold. And the real, the real good stuff is, well, it's a person, it's Christ. So, let's first look at Mary and submission. Uh, famous story, verse 26 through 38. Let's read this. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man named Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came to her and said, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. But she was deeply troubled by this statement, wondering what kind of greeting this could be. 
Then the angel told her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Now listen, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Mary asked the angel, How can this be since I have not had sexual relations with a man? The angel replied to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And consider your relative Elizabeth. Even she has conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month for her who is called childless. For nothing will be impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, said Mary. May it be done to me according to your word. Then the angel left her. Now, often, and I've, I've preached on this before at Christmas, and we'll focus on verse 38. I am the Lord's servant, said Mary. May it be done to me according to your word. That is submission. Okay? Mary is submitting. Um, submission, often, we can hear it, uh, we can think of it, we can feel like it's a bad word. You know, to, I mean, we want to uh, more assert ourselves and like, be the guy or the gal and like, be... It'll be you know, Mr. or Miss Leader person, you know. And here, Mary's like, you know, I'm submitting. So submitting, you have to submit to something. Now, uh, real quick, I would say, you know, a great example of mutual submission is the covenant of marriage, okay? And I'm not going to read Ephesians 5, but I encourage you to read Ephesians 5. I've been blessed to do uh, many marriages, and we talk about that. That is this mutual submission of husband and wife. And often we think about submissions like, man, if I submit, I'm not going to have any freedom. But that is, I think that's a lie, a trick of the devil. It's actually, when you submit to something, you can have total freedom because you can be, I'm I'm completely myself because I know we're committed and I'm submitted to you and you've got this and you've got me. That is a trick of the devil. You say, man, I submit, I mean, I'm just no freedom, I can't be, that that is a lie of the devil, okay? That was a lie of the devil in Genesis 3. If you know your Sunday school story, the devil whispers. He's whispering the same thing now. God doesn't want, God just thinks he can, you can know too much. You could be too much like him. Don't submit to that one thing. So Mary, if you say, okay, that's a great example. Mary, like, well, what is she submitting to? Yeah, I know God and everything. Well, actually, there's some specific things that Mary submits herself to, and I would I would assert, use that word again, that we should as well. The first is the Word of God. Uh, the Word of God. Uh, now, I believe in the, uh, God's Word is, is literal and inerrant. And there are many things in it that I just don't understand. Okay? So I know there are many things you don't understand. And I think God gave us that to grow us in our faith, to wrestle with it. But I believe it's His Word. It's God, it's God breathed. The breath of God. Now, he's like, where's the Bible in here? Well, the angel comes and connects all the Old Testament here in these just couple verses. The throne of his father, David. Child connected to David. He goes all the way back to Genesis and Jacob. And so, even before all the Bible was compiled, I mean, the history, the plan, it was connected. And so, Mary is submitting to God's Word. She's also submitting to God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit. So for us, we have something like literal here. You hear that sound? We can can touch it. We can read it. God given to us. We also have something that we, 
we can touch and be touched by, but it's, it's, not, like, it's not literal, which is the Holy Spirit, which is, which is God, part of the triune God, but which speaks to us. The angel says the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. So she's submitting to both the Word of God, the Spirit of God, and what I call the sovereignty of God. That's a big word. Some of you know it. But sovereignty means God's in control. God God has a plan. And I, I love to say it like this. You know, God is not up there. It's not some cosmic chess match with like, the devil or, or, or sin or like, oh man, I, you know, didn't know how that was going to play out. God, God actually planned everything and God is doing everything. And so Mary's like, man, I don't get this. I mean, Mary's probably maybe at best 15. She's like, you know, haven't, uh, she gives some details here, you know, about her life, boyfriend, girlfriend, dating life. Like, I don't know this, you know, here's where I'm from, tie this together. Mary didn't have a map. We don't have a map. I want a map. Yeah, I want a map to 90. Lord, would I like to see 90? Okay? I'd like a map. God says, no map, bro. Or, you know. So I trust in God's plan. And I trust in God's word. I trust in God's spirit. And submit myself to them. So to have joy, you got to have this submission. Also to have joy, we have to have solidarity. Now that's, that's a word having to start with an S, but I like that word a lot because often I need it and want it, and often I don't have it. And often you need it and want it, you don't have it either. Like, what are you saying? Well, solidarity is what I think our flesh wants the most, and also our flesh and sin, it makes it the toughest to give. Let me explain through Mary and her relationship with Elizabeth. Verse 39 In those days, Mary set out and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judah, where she entered Zechariah's house and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary greeting, the baby leaped inside her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and your child will be blessed. How could this happen to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For you see, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leaped for joy inside me. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill what he has spoken to her. Solidarity is like having Christian brothers and sisters, like, man, I am in, I am for you, I'm with you, I will walk with you. You know, Romans 12, there's a verse that says, Rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. Solidarity is like, I will rejoice with you, I will weep with you. Now, the reason I say we need this most, and this is the toughest, because, well, let me just say it like this. Elizabeth says... Well, first, Mary hurried, which had this news. She ran to see a friend. And for our day and time, I would say a Christian friend, okay? She ran, she hurried. When Elizabeth heard now, the baby leaped. We like to focus on that. But we missed something in this passage. Elizabeth, filled with the Holy Spirit, and she said, Blessed are you among women, and your child will be blessed. Why that's important for me, why that's important for you, she did not say... Man, I wish this would happen to me. I mean, great, you know, you know, in in the comparison of kids, and we all know that, okay? Especially in this culture. Uh, you get to kind of bear God. <laughs> and uh, you know, I got I mean I'm close, but you know, no comparison. 
Did you hear that? She said, blessed are you, man. God, God chose you to do this. Man, that's awesome. That's great. Elizabeth, we miss out on Elizabeth's testimony, Elizabeth's example, the solidarity of that, the, the sisterhood of that, the Christian sisterhood of that. Do you want that? Don't you want I want that. And it's just, it's very, very hard because of envy, because of pride, because of the games and their games of comparison and comparison of kids and children. And the church should, should be that. This place should be that. And yeah, we're fighting sin. And yeah, we're fighting Satan. But we look to God's word and we see how God has moved on people. Solidarity. Solidarity brings joy. You can have the submission. Let me say this. You can have submission. But if you don't have that solidarity, joy, that joy is going to be tough to find. It really is. You've got to have three things. So one, submission. Two, solidarity. And when those two happen together... Submission, word, spirit, sovereignty, solidarity of a true church family. And I say true because not every building structure is a church. I mean, just say it. It's not like a church family. And I'm not saying we just, you know, earn the prize or got it, okay? Like I said last week, love Jesus first. But I'm saying we got to identify the sin in us. And sometimes that is envy and pride and submit to the word of God and the spirit. But if those two happen, then this last satisfaction, and I call it intimate satisfaction, because Mary, I mean, she has this intimate relationship with the Lord. Look what she says, verse 46 through 56. Mary said, my soul praises the greatness of the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, because he has looked with favor on the humble condition of his servant. Surely from now on, all generations will call me blessed, because the mighty one has done great things for me. And his name is holy. His mercy is from generation to generation on those who fear him. He has done a mighty deed with his arm. He has scattered the proud because of the thoughts of their heart. He has toppled the mighty from the thrones and exalted the lowly. He has satisfied the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering his mercy to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he spoke to our ancestors. And Mary stayed with her, Elizabeth, about three months, then she returned home. Mary has, I believe, this, this real joy, this, but it's this intimate satisfaction, satisfied just with God, just with God. I mean, she's got Elizabeth there, which I think is important. I mean, church is plan A and no plan B because you, you need people. You, Christianity is not an isolated solo deal. But she's submitting, she's got solidarity, and she's got this satisfaction. She's just like, I, she's like, I know in history here, Abraham, his descendants forever, just he spoke to our ancestors. She's got joy, my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Even before God, Jesus has done the saving work, she knows God as Savior. She knows he topples the mighty, he exalts the lowly. She has this satisfaction. She has this faith. So what's real joy? I'd say it. I mean, you can phrase it different ways. The phrase that the Lord gave me today, submission, humble submission, Christian solidarity, intimate satisfaction. Now, real quick, why do we not have that? Because some of you might, and even, even all of you might not. I don't know. I mean, I know the world. I know sin. I know people. I talk to them. It's tough. Why do we not have it? I want to put two quotes up on screen. Go ahead and get them ready here. 
Don't put it up just yet. But these are from a guy named Charles Simeon. Uh, he's not famous now. Uh, some of you might know of him. He was famous uh, in his day, but uh, not necessarily for everything good that he did. He, he did a lot of good. He wrote a lot. He preached uh, at several churches. Actually, he preached, and he was in England. And in Cambridge, England, get this story. Please don't get any ideas. The church didn't like him so much. They literally locked the door so that he is, and he was a preacher then, would not come in, okay? Don't get any ideas. Some of you are already thinking, yeah. But the Lord used him. He wrote uh, countless works, preached. uh, Obviously, had a little conflict in that church. But uh, uh, he did remain. He grew it. But two quotes that I want to share with you. Charles Simeon is his name. First one up there, the higher state of sanctification and assurance is reserved for those who, after having believed, have maintained a close walk with God. Leave it up there for just a second. That's very simple, okay? Higher state of sanctification. Don't check out and say, oh, that's too bad. Sanctification is what's going on now if you say you're a Christian, okay? If you say you're a Christian, then sanctification is growing closer to God. He says the higher state of sanctification, and I do believe there's a higher state, and assurance. Assurance is like, man, I'm sure, I know it, man, assured that I'm saved, I'm assured God's working, man, I'm in this trial, I'm in this battle, I'm assured God is working. Only that is reserved for those who, after having believed, so this is, we're talking Christians here, we're talking about us or y'all, after having believed, have maintained a close walk with God. So, uh, very simple, or the way I, I look at it is very simple. Um, you don't have joy, you don't have intimate satisfaction, you're like, man, it's hard for me to submit. Uh, you don't have solidarity. Now, that's not the Bible, let me add that. But I do believe in this guy's opinion in writing, okay? And he says it better than I could. Who have maintained a close walk with God. How's your walk with God? How's your walk with God? Uh, how much time, look, and I'm asking myself this too, I'm preaching myself, okay? There are often many times I want to read like this novel I'm into and not God's Word, okay? So I'm not trying to make you feel bad here. Whereas oftentimes I want to do other things or watch, you know, this game or I'm not listening to sports talk radio anymore. Anyway, I do all this stuff instead of like reading my Bible. Or, but how's your walk with God? How's your walk with God? I'm talking to Christian because most of you would, cl- I mean, it's, it takes a lot of courage in this town to say like, man, I'm just... <laughs> I just question the claims of Christianity. I'm just not a Christian. Uh, I don't have many fun. I mean, I've known places where that's like the cool thing to do, but not here. So if you're a Christian, how is your walk with God? That's one reason we don't have joy is we can measure how we're doing. And not only Bible reading, but prayer. And I add this more lately, and I applaud uh, Neil Gowdy for growing a prayer group here. Uh, they spent uh, a night a couple weeks ago just walking around the church, the neighborhood, just praying for this. And that's going to continue that group but how much time we spend in prayer okay a lot of times now man i just and i am pleading with god for the work of revival in um in my life in the life of this church in the life of this city i'm pleading i'm desperate i think that's how you have to be i mean because i see in scripture uh, read about it pleading pleading okay how's that because the mistake i made is like man i can do it on my own like, the mistake I also make is, like, I'm not that bad of a sinner. I don't really need. I mean, I'm a Christian. Mistake. It's a mistake. We're not desperate for God. The other quote, let's put this up real quick. The other mistake we can make, why we don't have joy. 
Look at this. God is willing to bestow this blessing on all who seek it. This blessing would be joy, real joy. If we possess it not, if you don't have it, and many of us don't, many of you don't, if we do not possess, if we possess it not, we should inquire what there is in us which has occasioned God to withhold it from us. We should beg of God. That's what I was talking about earlier. Beg of God to take away from us, look at this, the hardness of heart, which, look at this, incapacitates us for it. And we should live more on the promises. You're like, what promises? God's word, that by them it may be imparted this joy to our souls. We should inquire of God. We should ask ourselves, why do I not have this? We should beg of God, take away the hardness of God. And I do believe hardness of heart requires begging God. As a pastor in pastoral ministry, I've seen this. Take it away. Take it away. So those of you who don't have this real Christian Christmas joy, you know why? One of those quotes was about your walk with God. The second one, though, was about the, the pain that life has dealt you through real people, through brothers and sisters in Christ, through a church. Beg God to take it away. Beg him. Plead with him. If you don't, I don't know if it'll be taken away. I mean, I'm being serious. Beg God. He needs you desperate for him. He needs you dependent on him. Last thing, and it is the last thing. Where do you get this joy? Because I talked about what it looks like in Mary. We talked about why we don't have it. So, where do you, Jesus. Let's go back to that first verse, 1 Peter 1.8. 1 Peter 1.8. 1 Peter 1.8. Let me emphasize again, 1 Peter 1.8 says, Though you have not seen him, and we haven't, you love him. Do we love him? Do we love him emotionally? Though not seeing him now, you believe in him, and you rejoice with inexpressible... I just can't express it. Let me read a couple verses ahead of that. Blessed be the God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, because of his great mercy... He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. You are being guarded by God's power through faith for a salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. You rejoice. There's that word again, joy. You rejoice in this. Even though now, if necessary, you suffer grief in various trials. So that the character of your faith, more valuable than gold, is refined by fire and may result in praise glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Uh, whether you realize it or not, whether you're like checked in or checked out or, you know, thinking about is it going to be too warm to hunt today or like eating or like wh- wherever you are mentally. And I know what you're thinking because I've thought it. Sat where you sat, lived how you live, struggled to not live how we all live today. Those couple of verses say all we need. But it does take that submitting to it. That dwelling on it. It takes people, it takes us to get like solidarity. So we can't be like splintered. That's not going to bring the joy. So, but it's very easy to have. You can have it in a moment in salvation. Because sometimes God's like, you know, man, sometimes God wakes a person up. It's like, you know, I really thought I was a Christian and I'm not. And then sometimes like I'm a Christian, but I've just been, I'm in depression. I'm in spiritual depression. 
Sometimes like, man, I'm just not looking forward to the next two weeks. Uh, and it's, it's still all there. But we need His Word. We really need one another too. And we'll find that joy. Right, let's pray for it now. Heavenly Father, I pray as we take communion or as those who take communion, I pray you would convict hearts for those who, for some who are, are simply not a Christian. Uh, and they would be, be, be yours, your child. Uh, in a moment, uh, that they would, they would find that salvation in Christ. And for others who claim you and just uh, don't have you, I pray something in this uh, would trigger in them to, to move towards finding it. Uh, and for all of us, I, I pray, I mean, our world needs to see, our world needs to see people who have just true joy, who can't express it. And that attracts people, that grows your church, your kingdom. So I beg you for it. Beg you for it in my life. Beg you for it in my family's. Beg you for it in this church's life. And you can. And it's yours to give. It's not ours to get. The grace is yours to give. So pour it out on us. In your name, Jesus. Amen.